Thank you for checking out this episode on Really Dicey's Game Master podcast. You can see the video version of this discussion on YouTube, as well as more content on reallydicey.com. Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out this episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny. And I'm Matt. I'm Seth. And Matt has gathered us together to talk about magic systems uh, between, looks like, DCC, D&D, and some other ones. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about magic in general and role-playing games. Uh, so the first thing you notice is here looking around is magic is in most role-playing games, not just fantasy, but, you know, obviously in, in horror um, and even in even in science fiction games. I mean, it's it's dressed up, but even in, you know, Star Wars has the Jedi, right? But even in Star Trek, you've got you've got the Vulcan mind meld and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, of course, there are whole games just about magic. Mage the Ascension, for instance. So my first question to you guys is, why? Why is there so much magic? Why do we like it so much? Manny? Uh, I, I figure it's because we like the idea of breaking our reality. You know, um, the idea that we can manipulate it uh, to our whims. You know, I mean, it's a... It's, it's, uh, uh, who wouldn't want to have like wings to fly um, and or cast like fireballs at people? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's just something about that. It's a, it's a, it's a fun idea to imagine. Yeah, yeah. Seth, you're our uh, resident player. What's your view on the other side of the screen? Well, it gives more options to the to player characters uh, rather than like if you took out magic and both arcane and divine, what you're left with is is pretty, it would be fighter, thief. Yeah, fighter and thief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, speaking and of And some I, smart guy with a book who stands in the back and knows stuff, but, you know. Okay, smart guy in the book, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's, um, so. Which, which nothing wrong with that. You can have a game, but I, to a lot of people that would be, not their cup of tea. It would be kind of boring. But all right. So just following up on that, why don't we uh, why don't we talk about um, low or high magic systems or games? And you know, what I, here I'm talking about the the abundance of magic. Right, a, a low magic game is game magic's really hard to come by. Magic items are hard to come by. High magic game is obviously quite the reverse. There's lots of magic all over the place. Um, you know, in in a fantasy setting, let's talk about fantasy games. What are some of the um, the advantages and disadvantages of high or low magic? Seth, you've played in both. Well, a typical low magic system would be like uh, Conan. Conan is it's it's called you know high fantasy, high um, swords and sorcery, but magic was always this otherworldly dark, corrupted type thing. You didn't really see magic much. Uh, Conan ran into it, but of course he distrusted magic. And I think one of his companions was a wizard, but a different definition of a wizard we would, we would think now, no pointy hat or anything like that. <laughs> um, so it does give you more of an otherworldly aspect um, the Dungeon Crawl Classics definitely puts this forward. Uh, magic is always carries the risk of corruption, uh, of turning you into the other. Um, so that that would be sort of a, Conan would be sort of a low low magic system. Sure. A high magic um, system would probably be something like the Forgotten Realms, where you can't throw a rock without hitting some sort of magical thing. It's probably a magical rock. Yeah, oh yeah, it's probably a magical <laughs> rock. You're right, yeah, yeah. Uh, where also the gods themselves have much more an in, in, of an influence in um, in day-to-day -day life or in sure. the actual playable world. In yeah. Conan, you did, the Conan stories did refer to gods, but they were like far away and you didn't really have much they didn't really have much, except in one or two instances, much direct impact. 
<clears throat> so personally, which one do you like? You've played in both. I prefer high magic uh, just because I find it more interesting. Although I think an instance of a low magic system done right would be uh, a setting like Conan, where magic is there, and, but it has this air of mystery around it. Right. Um, yeah. I like, personally, I like running uh, low magic systems, <laughs> as you've suffered through several times. But one of the reasons I like doing that is because um, it makes magic special. Um, as, as you've personally experienced, um, your character once cowed and converted an entire village uh, by casting a spell because they'd never seen that before. And it was really amazing. You know, magic was special again. Um, yeah, the downside is that you don't come across it as much. Uh, so it's kind of a balancing act. It depends on what you like. Uh, what about you, Manny? What's your take? High or low? Oof, that's a tricky one because I, I like both a lot. Yeah. It all depends what story you want to tell. Um, with with low magic, when I construct a story around that, it's usually because, um, uh, it, it, like, it, there's a there's a religious question going on. You know, mm. I mean, in the, in the old days, um, magic was a way of explaining a lot of what was going on in, in their belief systems. You know, uh, why why. Um, Where's there a thunderstorm? Is, is Zeus angry with us? You know, um, and, uh, stories like that. So with a low magic system, if I want to make a game that's much more, I feel like more brutal. Because what's great about Conan is that it, not only is the yeah, there's very few people use magic in that world, and usually people that do are <laughs> are mm. usually you know yeah, evil characters. The villains yeah. use magic. Yeah. You know, but but also like like Krom. Like crime is mentioned all the time, but crime never really makes appearances, mm. uh, or right. really answers his prayers. You know, right. um, but but I, that makes sense. That's to me the balance of the world. You know, it, if if magic is is rare and dangerous, then then the gods either are, are rare or or tough to to understand as well. It all depends on the world building. Um, sure, high magic is a lot of fun with the right players. Um, like like again like D and D most of D and D settings are I mean Star like um, I was gonna say Star Jammer but I can always confuse that with the Marvel Comics name Ace Jammer uh, uh, um, uh, Spell Jammer <laughs> yeah, Spell Jammer me doing it Spell Jammer <laughs> I love Spell Jammer Yes you're right High Magic Yeah Yeah it's great like it's not just I mean it's like high like super high like breaking the ceiling high um, of magic and it's it's great I I love that stuff too. Um, Again, it really depends on, on the player and what story you want to tell. And, sure. and, and, and you should really be careful and balance that because it, it could really, if, if you have a, a low magic setting, but you forgot that you let, like, you, you let like, a, like a magic wand in there that does certain effects, that could really mess up the balance of your game. Sure, no, definitely, definitely. So Spelljammer is, is, a, is, is, is a great example. I'm glad you brought that up because um, <clears throat> that's a high magic setting. And yet, it magic is still special, um, and I think they did something really neat there because, you know, one of the problems with high magic is when magic becomes so ubiquitous and um, reliable that it's basically just technology. You know, and we've all seen, you know, there, there's obviously the jokes to be made there. There's Terry Pratchett where magic is technology, and in Spelljammer, sure, yeah, magic is. It's kind of technology, you know, that they fly the ships with and everything. And yet the setting is so gonzo um, and, um, and crazy and weird that everything still seems wondrous. So, you know, that's the trick. Uh, if, you, if you're gonna do a high magic world, how do you do a high magic world and still have magic be something special? Oh, that's a good question. Um, but for, for me, um, it, it depends on, I think you have to be really creative with spells. So this is my problem with, with magic users and like, especially the old D&D systems. It, or even, even like other games like Rollmaster, they, they tend, to be pretty, tend to be pretty boring really fast. So like, for example, for Middle-earth, when Rollmaster or ICE um, 
not Rollmaster, IC-owned Rollmaster and Middle-Earth at the time, right. uh, when he's producing the books. And um, I had one magic user, and all I cast was, was sleep. That's all I did, sleep, sleep, sleep. And I and I, I just got bored with the character really fast. Um, in the in the old D and D system, you may have like one spell in the beginning, yeah. uh, and and um, and and that may be like that for like a couple of sessions. And to me, that's just like okay, I, I it just I just didn't it just to me it just bore me. I, that's why in my in my campaigns back when I was younger, I would uh, we would like start off like maybe fifth level or third level or at the very least, so that you have some more spells more hit points too, but more spells <laughs> that way, uh, um, uh, magic users can be more creative. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And uh, we did something similar. I mean, not, um, we get tired of seeing the same spells. So um, the DM um, started giving players their spells at first level instead of letting them choose spells. And, uh, it was actually it was great. Suddenly, we were seeing all sorts of spells we never, never bothered to look for because you know, oh, it's first level. Okay, I'm going to take magic missile and and light and and sleep and you know, everybody's taking the same spell. So he finally put his foot down and said, oh god, no more magic missile. <laughs> <laughs> or else you don't start with it. You can find it later if you want to. But I'm tired of everybody casting the same spell over and over again. I've never been in a a long-lived D&D campaign. Uh, so my experience with first-level characters is always in a con setting. And I absolutely, absolutely hate it. <laughs> Playing a first-level mage. Because basically, like Emmanuel was saying, you get one spell a day, and then you're just the peasant with a pointy hat and a knife. I mean, you don't have many options. I mean... Some get around that by giving them one-off spells. I mean, one-off scrolls. Okay. Um, but like you were saying, Matt, you have to get creative. Yeah. yeah. So That's I one. really like low-level magic users myself, um, but it really depends on the DM. Uh, you need a DM who is going to be flexible and let you do stuff. Um, mm. You know... Um, because a magic user isn't just a guy who casts spells, right? They're someone who knows a lot about um, uh, ancient languages and things like that. They're 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 the esoteric party, knowledge. Yeah, the, yeah the, they're the party's smart guy. So when you're mm -hmm. going through the dungeon and you you find a strange inscription on the wall, magic user comes forward and he reads it. So you know even even if he can't cast any spells. He, he, you know, he recognizes the magical devices or he can read, he can read the, the, the languages or maybe he can recognize the spell that the other guys, the, the villains casting. Um, all of this kind of goes a little bit beyond the rules as written in some editions. So you need a GM uh, who's a little bit flexible. Um, and it also gets a little harder in some of the older and, and some of the newer editions because they started codifying all that. Right. Instead of, you know, so if you see a strange inscription in the wall, right, you say, oh, magic user, what does it say? And the magic user comes forward and says, I read it what it says. And the DM says, no, wait, hold on. Do you have that proficiency? Do you, do you, do you have that feat? Do you have that skill? Is it written down? You're like, oh, no, I, I didn't take that in character creation. Whoops. Sorry. Never mind. You don't know what it says. Whereas, <laughs> you know, in, in, in basic, um, you could, the guy could say, the DM would say, oh, yeah, you're a magic user. You know these sort of things. Uh, he might call for an intelligence check, or he might just let you say it. He might might just give it to you. He says you're the you're the smart guy who knows things. You can read it. This is what it says. Um, also, I like to think of a magic user as knowing all sorts of other little things, like maybe some alchemy or something. So maybe they have little flashbangs or or powder, you know, bags of colored smoke that they can throw up uh, at people and. Um, when you meet a low-level monster or a peasant or a city guard, they don't know your first level. <laughs> they don't know you've only got one spell. They know 
that you're an old guy with a funny looking hat and you're wearing a you're 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 wearing a necklace full of bones and and you're you're you know you've got a crazy looking wand and you throw some black powder at them and then you start saying some bad latin if i was a dm i would let you try to bluff the guard you know maybe maybe your 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 wizard could have a good charisma and kind of maybe he knows a lot of card tricks i mean there, there's so many more things you can do besides just cast your one spell hmm. you know um but yeah it, it it can't get tricky um i think i think it's pretty pretty well known that uh, gary gygax did not like magic users <laughs> <laughs> and other people at TSR had to kind of fight for them. Mm. Um, I, I remember just recently I heard uh, Tim Cast um, talking about how he had to convince uh, Gary to let Magic Magic Missile always do the the damage automatically because Gary wanted you to have to roll forward or something like that. And, and Tim said, oh, please let him just have something. <laughs> let him have this one spell. <laughs> and he talked him into it. So, And, and of course, um, the game's completely changed. Uh, in the later editions, I mean, just seems like everybody has magic. Everywhere, regardless of class. And yeah. maybe they don't call it magic, but they've got magic. And then, I mean... It's, it's a little better now. In 4th edition, everybody literally did have magic. <laughs> hmm. But um, I forgot where we were. We were talking about, uh, we <laughs> well, about low-level high magic. Well, it definitely started creeping a little bit on, a little bit third edition, and then definitely 4th and 5th, you started seeing more magic coming in. 4th yeah, um, yeah. edition was weird because what they everybody had it, powers you yes. slotted in powers yeah yeah so it wasn't like particularly magic it was just power it's almost like um i always compare it to final fantasy tactics and if you never played it then it sounds well i'm saying it just sounds gibberish but it, it, think <laughs> sure of it as like it. <laughs> <laughs> well they were trying to tap into the online community like you yeah. were saying the final fantasy tactics world of warcraft where all your powers are just buttons yeah yeah it was more like, yeah, it, was, it was definitely like like a more closer to a board game variation of mm. D&D than, than anything. Mm. Fifth edition, yeah, I mean, fifth edition has, you know, it has, you know, cantrips, uh, which I think it was introduced in third or fourth edition. I don't remember which one, but, you know, we have cantrips and I don't mind cantrips so much because, again, it gives uh, magic users more things to do, but I feel like it, it created another problem where they keep using spells, the same spells all the time. And I, I, I don't know, I, I when I grew up, watching like magic stuff on tv and movies there's always this like like contest of wills whether you're fighting against nature or fighting against another magic user mm. and it's it's always about it so I, what i the way I, the way i envision what magic user casting spells is that you're using a great amount of internal energy to 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 create your own form of reality into place sure you know Sure. Uh, you're trying to make fire appear out of nowhere, so you're, you're using your, your abilities to break the, the laws of physics to create some sort of fire spell. Um, so I, I feel that the problem with cantrip, my opinion, is that, is that I wish there was like a, not a limit, but like after a certain point, you have to roll like a constitution save or intelligence save so that you could keep casting because after a while, you, it's going to drain you. Sure. And I think that's, that's my, my biggest beef. I, it, having magic everywhere... It's it's a little weird. It's um, it's something I'm still not used to in fifth edition. But I just uh, I wish wish I wish cantrips were uh, less utility spells and more more like uh, create what's some sort of different creative role playing outlet. Mm -hmm. Well, in OSE Old School Essentials, it specifically says for for clerics and magic users. They, they have a paragraph that says they can make their own spells. They can research stuff. Um, nobody really does that, though. I mean, even D&D had rules for it. You, you'd have to search to find them. But they could do magical research. It'd take a hell of a long time, but nobody really did it. So I think it was meant for people to come up with their own spells. But nobody really does did it. It's so, just, it oh, go ahead. I think it's because most players tend to make broken spells and, and dungeon masters don't know how to handle that sometimes or how to like, all right, I want to create a spell where um, all the horses around me become Pegasus. 
Pegasi. <laughs> um, uh, how, what kind of level spell is that? What are the, what are the components w- would you need to create something like that? I think that's when uh, dungeon masters have a tough time putting that together. I think that's why um, a lot of people have a hard time making new spells and, and, and having that accepted by dungeon masters in their campaigns. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, two things. Um, uh, so you could definitely... Um, you could definitely research spells and uh, magical items <clears throat> to make yourself in um, second edition. Because I had a high-level magic user who did that. Yes, I remember you saying that. And both of them were very difficult, uh, mm. requiring big, long quests, uh, which were very, well, yeah, which were very interesting. I, 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 you know, and you got to work with the DM there. Um, and, the, and the second thing was, you know, um, Basic D and D um, and very early D and D, particularly basic, was more of a toolkit. They really, ex- you know. So, in nineteen eighty one and in the seventies and eighties, there, um, there was no, obviously, there was no internet, um, and uh, the only way that, you know. Um, gamers on the east coast and the west coast could communicate um you know um as a group well you know they had magazines and things they had a dungeon magazine and you know but a lot of local groups did their own thing and they put out their own magazines and books and things and so i i think when they were writing the game uh, they expected individual groups to fill things in mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of uh, s- two classes um, were really example classes. Like the druid was an example of a specialty priest. Mm. So, you know, the, they said, okay, here's a cleric. But then they said, you know, you can make other kinds of clerics based around other gods. And like, like this one, here's a sample, here's a druid. Um, go make your own. Um, and the same thing with the magic user. They said, okay, so here's the regular magic user, but you can make your own types of magic users, specialty magic users who, who do certain things. And here's an example, here's an illusionist. It's like that, now go make your own. Um, and I don't know how much people, little gaming groups actually did that by themselves in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the 80s, for instance. Um, but I, for whatever I... reason, the 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 uh, the vast number of players just didn't do that. They just took what was written, um, which which is which is not a knock on anybody, but um, you know, advanced Dungeons and Dragons first and second and then third, it just became more and more codified. So instead of making the you know it, it kind of it kind of discouraged homebrew. Mm. So. Um, you know, instead of making their own magic user, people would would pour through books looking for magic users. It's like, okay, give, give us them some more magic users. You know, hmm. some more specialty magic users, a summoner, write a summoner for us. One of the interesting things back on what you were saying, uh, Manny, um, I remember in the Dark Sun, I've never actually, pl- well, I played Dark Sun a little bit, but not too much, just like one <laughs> session. Crazy. Um, there were two types of specific magic users. One was called a defiler. One was called a preserver. Yeah. Now the defiler had had a lot more powerful spells, but he sucked the life out of everything around him. Not a very pre- popular in a group. <laughs> no, and a preserver um, was always walking this fine line of not taking more than he should from everything around him and trying to preserve, you know, the balance or life or whatever. Yeah, Dark Sun was an incredibly well written and thought out setting. Yeah. Uh, it certainly wasn't everybody's taste, but it was really well thought out with the with the dragon sorcerers and the psionics and the cannibal halflings and the, <laughs> the, the two types of magic. Um, and the three queens. Don't forget about the three queens. So. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yep. <laughs> um, so, 
Um, oh, wait, wait. something you said before yeah. about um, making your own class. Again, the same problem. I've had, actually had players um, make their own class a few times, and it's always end up being a disaster because they, they're like they're it's always overpowered nonsense yeah um so yeah. i had had one player uh shout out to nell if he's watching this um <laughs> who um who actually probably was one of the best players i had where he instead of making something up he would well palladium for example what, what was great about palladium is that a lot of their books you can mix and match certain things so he would have he would be really creative and say okay how about if i have something that was in riffs by variation of that and played him and, and played him fantasy setting and we would talk about it and create it and that worked well but that was because the there was sort of like rules it, it, mm, it were yeah. sort of bendable you could bend the rules to make that yeah. work but some but dnd i couldn't do that with dnd if, if um they end up becoming way too powerful yeah yeah uh no that that it's uh definitely definitely a balancing act but to bring this back to magic <laughs> Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. So, so there's a couple other distinctions between magic. There's um, there's hard and soft magic, uh, but I, I, you know, most um, um, role playing games are hard magic. Uh, hard magic being magic that is codified and has limits, uh, and you know what to expect. Um, and soft magic being the type of magic you often get in fantasy novels where you know they don't tell you what the rules are and magic can seemingly do anything i mean you get the idea that there are rules but they just haven't bothered to explain them to you um so you know i was going to ask you about which one you like but there's really not much of a choice almost all magic in role-playing games is hard because just the nature of the beast right magic role-playing games are codified they have to be otherwise you're just well, there's, I think Dungeon Crawl Classics comes the closest to soft. It's soft-ish, well, meaning you're not going to get the same effect twice. You're going to get, well, within a certain realm. I mean, you're not going to get right. something totally different. Yeah, but then but, you, I was going to say, but you do have specific spells. I mean, you, you know, you have oh, yes, a spell and this yes. is what it does. And there's certain spells, soft magic. Uh, you but see, it can still go wrong and make you grow a third eye. Well, no, that's true. And I was going to mention something like that. I would call that kind of wild magic versus ritual magic. Yes. Know, magic that always does the same thing or magic that it can do all that, that might go off the rails. But the point is, you know, even in Dungeon Crawl Classics, if you're a wizard, you have a certain number of spells you can cast and, and that's it. Like, for instance, you know we had that guy's castle burned down because we couldn't find any water spells. We're like, how do we put out a fire? I can start fires, but I always stop one. So that's definitely kind of a codified magic system. You know, the only, the games that have a soft magic system would be a, like a narrative game where it would say, you know, your magic user can, you're a, you're a, you're a fire mage and, and you don't have a list of spells. You kind of, describe to me what you want to do and using the rules of the game i tell you what you have to roll to make that happen so so you don't have a spell list you just kind of have a you know a a vague sort of description you know um i guess i guess the the hardest soft magic would be mage of the ascension right where there are rules about how you cast magic but there are no spell lists and the whole game is based around technically your magic can do anything so you describe how you're going to do it and then the system tells you what you can roll and how good you are but there are so that's pretty that's soft magic um, and then you have things like totally randomized or wild magic the only thing you decide is to when to actually tear open the veil of reality and something yeah. like a like a wanda sure. wonder sure you don't know yeah. what's going to happen something yeah and so, so if you just pray and hope for the best so so do you guys like magic that is uh more codified and ritualistic in the sense that um if i cast this spell i know exactly what it's going to do or do you like you know i'm going to unleash the chaos and see what happens and obviously there's a whole spectrum in between manny do you have any thoughts? It's going to sound like a, 
a double uh, a double answer in a sense. Um, if I'm playing with new players, um, especially, uh, I prefer hard magic. I prefer them to know, um, so so that way they don't get confused. I mean, magic when someone casts spells, there's always that there's always a variable of some sort. Like, all right, can this spell work in this certain instance? It's oh, sure. every instance is very different. Um, so I, I don't mind it for that. I'm fine with that. But personally, for myself, I like my magic soft. If if I was playing a magic user, I wanted to be a, a, a uh, my spells or my business as soft as possible. An example, um, 7C allows you to have uh, spells, but it's, it's very different. It's, 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 it's uh, categorized by what region of the world you're in. So like in, in their version of England, um, you may have like glamour magic, which is more like the, the stuff you see in fairies and elves do in, 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 in myth. Um, and, it, and it could do storytelling uh, not storytelling powers. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it right. It, uh, it, it. When you cast a spell, you have to kind of like explain and describe what it's doing. For example, right. so like if, if you're, there's a certain spell that helps like like mend ships. So you have to describe exactly how it's fixing the ship and everything. And that mm. I like a lot better um, um, than D and D's. Am I the only one that gets annoyed that every edition of D and D has the same list of spells <laughs> over and over again? <laughs> You know, I mean, okay, yeah, we, we want the sleep spells, we want the fireball spells, the, 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 but I feel like there's, you have to wait until like a bunch of other source books before you get new spells. Mm. Um, and uh, and uh, Tasha's Coldman of Everything, one of their newer source books for 5e D&D, finally has a section about like, hey, you could just do little changes here to your spells. So like, if you want to make a, a, a blue fireball spell, you could do that and, or make a, a, a magic missile spell, like make them all spoons instead of missiles. Um, you could do that. Instead of fire, having it a water ball instead yeah. of a fireball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but honestly, I've been, I've been doing like that for a while. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of really creative players growing up. So a lot of them will look at something like, hey, can I just change this and make them more like my style for my mm -hmm. character? And I would say yes, because I, 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 yeah. I, I just don't like... I get really tired of D and D's the way they handle magic. Hmm. Interesting. So, what about you, Seth? Do you like? Uh... I like. I like both. I I love random stuff. I yeah, love like you know. like well, the deck of many things, the wonder wonders, where you don't know what's going to happen. You yeah. just hope and pray. Well, it's like drink, like what we were saying before about the potions. The last ditch effort, you just hope for the best and pick a potion. You have no idea what it's going to do. Uh, but as far as spells go if i'm going to cast a spell i prefer having it actually hard to say what it's going to do now i love the the spells that aren't named conventionally like not magic missile i'd love it if the name was so-and-so's fifth sonata on blah 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 it basically does magic missile but it's not it it harkens back to who made it in a mystical, mysterious thing, rather than saying, oh, that's just a run-of-the-mill magic missile. Sure, sure. And that is that is an easy thing to do. Uh, yeah. I have done that in a lot of my games. Uh, I've done that for Seth. Um, you know, last time we played Dungeon Crawl Classics, I went through and renamed all the spells for him. Easy, easy thing to do. You, you, you just make a new name for the spell. And I, and I love having the different... Um, sort of material components. I know D&D lists material components. Most people, I don't know, there's something I didn't, don't quite like about how D&D does it, but, um, but having material components, so basically your mage would have tons of pockets and have a bunch of weird components that just looking at, there wouldn't be anything like a pat, pinch of sand or a needle or this or that, but he needs it. It's sort of a folk guy. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the last games I ran for you, uh, Seth, um, what was a bit of a homebrew, and I was trying something out with 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 homebrewed magic, and every spell had a component, had a material component, and um, uh, I think it worked out really well. Uh, you know, it had the effect I wanted. Your character was just loaded down with weird stuff, and you was always on the lookout for, for things. Like you had a spell that used the diseased eyeball, 
as is important. And, you know, we were in a fight and after the fight set, you know, Seth's character says, I'm going to go up to the zombie and scoop his, his eye out. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And then he puts it in a jar and the rest of the party goes, ah, yeah. What are you doing? Goes, no, I need that. <laughs> I felt like Ghostbusters, yeah. but uh, yeah. Egon, oh, your mucus. <laughs> exactly. How many stasis so, you want to take a sample? Of? So, so I thought that was fun. I, you know, I, I like that now. Um, you know, that added a limiting factor. Uh, when you ran out of the component, you couldn't cast the spell anymore because all the most of the spells consumed the components. There were some that, that didn't. But that also brings it way back to the beginning of our conversation. What good is a mage without spells? Another thing is, is he would have a lot more knowledge about monsters, about monster parts about oh that's a yellow blah 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 because i've used it in all these different things yeah yeah no that's true um so did you find that limiting what did you think about that um that limit because there were spells that you couldn't cast i mean you knew the spell but you couldn't find the you know a piece of jade to cast the spells right it's it's a different different form of limiting factor I mean, in D&D, your limiting factor is how many spells you can cast a day, because most people don't use the material components. And in yours, that was, it just changed the limiting factor. It, instead of how many you can cast per day, it's how many. And some computer games do the limiting factor by having spell points or energy or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. It's a limiting factor. Now, in Dungeon Crawl Classics, the only limiting factor is whether or not you're still recognizable as a human. Yeah, eventually you're going to blow yourself up. <laughs> you can cast a spell as many times a day. Well, unless you fail and lose a spell for the day. Right, right, but you right. can cast as many times as you want to. But there's always that chaos creeping up on you. Sure, so, sure. Which I always found that is fun. So, so the limiting factor is me. No, no. <laughs> So we've talked about all sorts of different aspects of, of magic. Um, so so let's just kind of look at some of the magic systems and talk about which ones you like. So so of course the first one is got to be D and D, right? So Vancey and magic, you memorize the spell, you cast the spell, and then you forget it, and you've got to memorize it again straight out of the novels of Jack Vance. Um, and the spell's pretty much automatic. If you if you if you've memorized the spell and you you meet the conditions to cast the spell, you cast the spell. It has an effect, and that's it. You know, maybe the the other party you know gets a saving throw or something. But usually, when you cast the spell, it works. None of your spells ever fail unless there's some sort of outside influence. And then, of course, there's dungeon crawl classics, which we've talked about at great length, um, where you actually have to make a roll and you have this, <laughs> every single spell has this really wide range. You know, your magic missile could be, you know, a one point dart, or it could be, you know, uh, a nuclear warhead, <laughs> you know, depending on how well you roll. Um, and then there are, there are other games. There's, uh, there's games that have um, like linear progressions of your spells, like World of Darkness, right? Where you have a certain thing that your person can do, whether it's called a spell or vampire power or whatever. And you can get better and better and better at it by putting by putting experience points in it. Uh, and then there, there are games that use spell points. Um, yeah. and, and that's actually crept back into D&D, even though... Um, well, psionics had it. They had yeah, what they yeah, called yeah. the PowerPoints. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, Gary and tried really hard. Uh, Gary and Gygax, um, you know, rejected spell points and tried to keep it out, and it kept in sneaking in in other ways. <laughs> and then, of course, there's there's hundreds of other games and different ways that they handle magic. So, you know, Amani, what? How do you like it? Of those systems, what what do you prefer? Oh, DCC, hands down. Yeah. Uh, th- because I, I like chaos. Um, okay. Yeah. I think, I, think, I, I, yeah. I think I want a few game masters that I don't mind if a spell uh, 
goes haywire and, and wrecks the whole adventure. I just think that's that's funny. Um, sure. Uh, uh, Parachute, the role playing game. <laughs> hey, um, why did why did that elf make a bunch of noises and then cut his wrist? I don't know, some elf thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened at a uh, convention, right? The you know, it's Seth's character. He's an elf, and the and the and the first thing he did first encounter the game he runs up and says a bunch of stuff and slits his wrist and gets a terrible roll and collapses the rest of the party's going what the hell was that (laughs) was that was that dcc oh yeah yeah Yeah. wow another one i did i got a misfire so instead of a match missile it basically sucked four hit points from everybody else around me (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like sorry (laughs) another Um, thing about dcc sorry to jump in is their mercurial magic tables so i can have a spell of magic missile and you can have a spell of magic missile and but they're basically different versions of magic missile i learned it from this guy you learned it from that person and so when i cast it i don't know maybe I my body turns transparent or rats start start pouring out of my sleeves. And when you cast it, a random field of wheat just grows grows up around you or something like that. That adds a bit more chaotic to it. Yeah, it is definitely <laughs> definitely chaotic. That is true. Um, so what is what is your preference of those of those sort of systems? Storyteller, D and D, DCC, something else. Yeah, Me? you, Seth. Oh, sorry, like, yes. I, sorry. <laughs> you can't tell I'm looking at you. <laughs> you up there. <laughs> um, up there well, in the upper room. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like like uh, Manuel, I I do like DCC. Um, I do like the the traditional spell Dungeon Dragons. Uh, I'll give a shout out to the old uh, computer Ultima games where they had like different eight different circles. And a lot of thought went into writing the, the, the book of magic that came with the game, an actual physical book, um, that actually say, like, in order to cast a spell, you had to uh, take this black pearl and bury it in a swamp under moon. It's not in the game, because you, <laughs> it, it, this, was, this was in the 19, late 80s. So we're, the graphics were horrible. So you didn't actually have to do any of this stuff. But all the thought was into like how the how you craft a spell. You'd have to bury this in a swamp, and then then it'd be glowing when you bring it out. And then you have to put this in something else, and then you throw it at somebody, and then the spell goes off. Type thing. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do want to say that uh, I know I, I've been I've been uh, ragging on Dini hard about their magic about the magic reserve stuff uh, and their spells. Um, but I, I have to say that Dragonlance, how they do magic users in that system, I do like a lot because there's a very strong story uh, telling element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have, you have three schools of wizards, uh, each one different by, by alignment. And uh, I just love the, the, the story behind that, how that was put together. Um, uh, if a system does something cool, I, I'll be into it. But if it's just a plain magic user, no, I'm not interested in playing one for D&D at least. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, okay, I love Dungeon Crawl Classics, um, but I, I gotta say that um, sometimes it feels like they just overdid the magic users. Right, the magic users. Every spell uh, has a, has a, has a has a page of effects, and then you have the mercurial magic on top of that. Then you have the miscasting and. It's just so much. And then you can have Patreons. On top of everything else, you can, you can have a supernatural patron. Um, Which seems more of a cleric thing to me. Than, right. Uh, I mean, compare yeah. that to the, you know, the poor fighter who you know, <laughs> gets a page and the mighty deed, which is really awesome. But um, it, it can just seem a little bit overwhelming. Um, and sometimes you know, with all those random charts and things, it can start to seem, uh, well, it can start to seem a little too random, a little too crazy. You know, like for instance, 
you mentioned the mercurial magic could be rats pouring out of your sleeve. And the spell could be magic missile. What the heck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I mean, how, how do rats pouring out of your sleeve even thematically connect with magic missile? Uh, I mean... The whole chaos you know, bit, I suppose. Uh, yeah, no, I get that. I, you know, I, I, I get that. But sometimes that sort of chaos and randomness yeah. can just kind of spill into nonsense. Just kind of yeah. silly nonsense, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so I think all of these games um, do best with a flexible uh, GM who's willing to interpret these things, to kind of work them together, you know, to take the rules and bend them. Okay, so you're casting magic missile and your your mercurial magic is rats pouring out of your sleeve. I'm thinking, what the heck does that do with anything? Okay, fine, you know what? Your magic missiles are rats. <laughs> you're firing rats at You cast people. the spell and, and these magical rats shoot out of your sleeve and they, and they just gnaw people. I mean, okay, that's kind of silly and I, I don't know, but at least I've worked them in. It's not just a rat, you know, it's not just rats pouring out of you for no reason, uh, you know. This big rat appears and fires lasers out of its eyes. Yeah, it's something like that, so, you know. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I can, I can like the, you know, I like DCC, but sometimes I, I like, I like the more codified dungeons and yes. dragons, particularly yeah. the, the early editions. I, I, I really like the, the early editions. Um, again, it works best, I think, with a flexible dungeon master. You know, who allows you to do other things than change by than casting the spells, and also lets you change the spells. You can say, "Hey, can I cast this spell like this?" Sure. If it's a if they if they want to bend it a lot, you can say, "All right, make an intelligence check to make that work." But, um, you know, uh, you know, Manny, yes, everybody they have the same level of spells, but you can you can make new spells and change the spells around. You know, I, I like that, and I think. I think we've gotten used to Vancey and magic. And so it seems kind of, you know, the baseline and kind of predictable and kind of vanilla and all that. Um, and we forget that when Jack Vance wrote it in, in, in Dying Earth, it was new. It was different. It was wild. It, you know, it was, you know, you memorized something like a formula. You know, some magic words and some and some and some gestures and some other things like that. And then when you cast them, they left your mind and disappeared. That's actually really weird. <laughs> I mean, imagine if math did that, right? <laughs> you know, like I've memorized the formula and I use the formula to calculate something. Now, for the life of me, I can't remember the formula. And I have to go <laughs> study it again. I, I think sometimes we forget how magical and weird that is uh one of the things i i like about some of these systems where magic is dangerous yeah. where there's a cost to mat like dcc there's 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 a chance of being corrupted in dnd there's no real well the cost for being a magic user is you can't really do anything else but there doesn't seem to be a danger in that. Oh, I'm going to break the laws of physics to cast magic missile. And okay, I just do it. There's, there's, no, there's no danger. There's no price to pay. Well, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a matter of opinion. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's just whether you like that or not. There's not, I mean, well, yeah, no, magic doesn't yeah. exist. Okay, I'm just going to go come out and say it. <laughs> magic doesn't exist. So we can't objectively say whether it's dangerous or not. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, so it depends on whether you like it to be dangerous or not. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, and there's no reason why it should be. Uh, you know, swinging a sword isn't dangerous. I mean, you know, not if you do it properly, or you know, none of the other classes have their have their abilities be inherently dangerous to themselves. 
so well, none of the other classes are breaking the laws of physics. <laughs> no, okay, yeah, but I mean that. Except the monk. The monk tends to. Yeah, okay, true. <laughs> uh, the monk is a mess. Yeah. But I mean, you say breaking the laws of physics again. That's an interpretation of something that doesn't exist. Maybe magic is the law of physics. Maybe that's actually it's how magic works. Other laws, yeah. Right? Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's getting in touch with the true nature of reality. You know, it's not it, It's not breaking the laws of physics. It's understanding them better. It's knowing the loopholes or something. There's all mm. sorts of different sources. So there's no reason in you why it should. It has to be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, okay. if, yeah. if you like it dangerous, great. If you don't want it to be dangerous, then then it's not dangerous. Um, I should. I, I've, since we were talking about other games, I should just make a shout out. I just want to say that um, if you really like magic, if, you, if you're really into magic, then you should dig out Mage the Ascension and get ready to sit around a table and philosophize. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's a little too open-ended. <laughs> the game is about magic and how it works, and it is just... Gonzo amazing. Uh, one of these days I'll I'll subject you all to three hours of me rambling about Mage of the Ascension. But <laughs> yeah. But um so any final thoughts about magic? Manny? I hope one day to find a, a good magic system that emulates what I see a lot in TV and movies better. Like especially mm -hmm. wizard battles. You don't see that done out, especially in D D. Like the most you could do is maybe counterspell something. But like if you watch, I think it was Sword in the Stone. Yeah, uh, that, Mad Madam Mim. Yes, that 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 battle they had that, yep, that was yep. that was amazing. Um, and the you, beginning of the movie Wizards. Mm. Yes, yes, I do love wizard battles. That's absolutely true. Um, Except how they did it in the Lord of the Rings movie. That was breakdancing. Oh, <laughs> and as long as they were complaining, the Harry Potter movies. Right. Oh, I, like ugh. they had a whole bunch of wizards, and I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. Everybody just cast the same same spell. Whatever, blah blah blah, and this and and it was just beams of energy coming out of their wands. Literally, they could have just been firing blasters at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we don't use guns. Um, well, you, no, you shoot people with your wands. Yeah. That's that's a gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yes. Magic duels would be great. Um, now, I should say that DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classics, actually has wizard duels. But again, I think they just over-egged the pudding. They are, the, the rules are pretty complicated and, and uh, it, you just fall further into that magic weirdness rabbit hole. Well, I the think rest of the party is going, oh, okay, is it, is it my turn yet? <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes well, like I you, think DCC should just be a game about wizards. Yes, it should. Everybody be, should play a wizard. It's either everybody's a magic user or nobody's a magic user. Because I mean, no, really. no. So magic duels. Yeah, that's I understand that. Uh, yeah, actually, it, to tell you the truth, uh, a, a bit of history: there were rules in Second Edition D and D about uh, magic duels and using spells to counter other spells. And they actually had a list of what spells countered which spells. Mm. So, so if someone cast, I can't actually remember them. So, but if someone cast, you know, and they weren't all just to spell magic. They, they literally had spells that did, that cancel each other. Like if somebody cast fireball and, and somebody else cast, I don't know, water weird or something that's not a spell but i mean the spells would cancel each other out neither spell would have their full effect they would cancel each other out and they had a proficiency uh in um recognize spellcraft mm. oh yes right? yes so, i do remember that now. so the may the 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 evil sorcerer could ca start casting a spell you could roll a roll against your proficiency and recognize the spell that he's casting, and then you could cast a counter spell. Again, it was kind of complicated and didn't really come up that often. You're right; I haven't really seen a a really good system for magic duels like that. Except, you know, two guys standing there casting spells at each other. 
that's a magic jewel. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, D&D is coming out with a book called Strixhaven, a, a college from ages, and mm. I'm, I'm, which is pretty much Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the big thing is going to a magical prom. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm hoping that um okay. that <laughs> but I'm hoping that there'll be rules about that. You know, yeah, at least yeah. I hope hopefully they they continue the discussion about how to make magic more impressive. Yeah, okay. Well but, but we'll see. Hoping. We'll see. Yeah. So Seth, uh, what are your final and thoughts? And also uh going back to the the magic the wizard duels, it uh, some of the duels like the Mad Madam Mim one and the one in Wizards, you could you could almost see those duels between two rival druids shapeshifting because yeah. that's what they did. They, they shapeshifted yeah, yeah, in different yeah. things. They, you could just see two druids just changing into different animals and stuff. You know, I think the best way to have a magic duel is to have two magic users just casting spells at each other. You know, one guy casts web and the other guy casts, you know, the other guy casts strength or polymorph or whatever you know um because countering somebody's spell is um pretty anticlimactic yeah you could I mean, do a do a quote unquote counter the gathering and i don't yeah. think i'd like it at a table either <laughs> I, I i would i would advise dungeon masters and game masters to make it as dramatic as possible so at least because if if you play things too technical, it gets boring. But if you can just add flavor, to, you know, yeah, um, yeah. describe I, it as best you can. I think that I might could, help. I could also see a civilized um, duel between wizards, where they're not actually trying to kill each other. They're like uh, they're trying to one up each other about, hey, look what you know what my spell did, or maybe maybe each of them each of them have like. Uh, a golem, uh, a champion or something, an avatar or something. Oh, I and, like that. And you are trying to cast an offensive spell against that thing, uh, against their champion, and they're trying to either cast a beneficial spell to block your spell or trying to cast against your champion, stuff like that. Ooh. I like that. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> Actually, you can play a game Magic the Gathering, right? Magic the Gathering yeah. is it's supposed to be two wizards standing on a hill so many monsters that beat each other up. It's supposed to be the, that, but then they put gets, all this story in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. I think that gets lost a lot at the table, but it's the way it was originally intended was two magic users casting spells to do this, and you can even cast spells like straight at the other magic user. So you could easily do that at the table and in a in, in a role playing setting. You could your two magic users could play a game of Magic the Gathering using yeah. their actual spells. Yep. It could be a lot of fun. And, um, and I, I think it would be and, and instead of just directly trying to kill the other person, I think it'd be, as I was saying, sort of a more civilized. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can you could see like mages in, in two different towers, high-level mages having like, it's like a chess match. Having a chess match every, every month where they contact each other and no, and, but basically, they use their spells. I read a book once uh, called The Night Circus. I don't remember the author right now. Um, it was a beautiful book, wonderfully well written. I really recommend it. Um, and uh, without giving too much away, there were these two wizards. And they were always, they, they had this kind of internal um, contest. But they weren't trying to kill each other. They were trying to outdo each other. They were trying to do in trying to create the most impressive piece of magic. And I think that would be fantastic. I mean, what if you had a, I don't know, like a magical Olympics or something. Uh, and well, you, you actually, were trying to do the most impressive piece of magic to 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 impress your rival or or a third party who is going to be the judge. You're just, you could really open it up. There's so much more that you can do with magic than, you know, making the other guy explode. <laughs> In the old uh, Heroes Quest or Quest for Glory games by CR Online, there was, uh, it was tongue in cheek. They had this uh, thing called the Wizards Institute of Technology or WIT. <laughs> and initiation thing, it, it was basically an obstacle course 
that you got through by casting different spells. You come to a huge wall of ice, well, cast a flame spell. You you come you come to you have to use a levitation at other times and, and you'd have to think on your feet to use different spells. There was also something in one of the old Bard's Tale games, Bard's Tale 3, where you had a poem and the poem would reference certain spells. They wouldn't come out and say it, but it was sort of like your Mandel in the map that map that you had in the other. Yeah. But you had to say, okay, this refers to this type of spell. And it was basically a, it was basically a magical combination lock to get get through this shimmering wall. You had to cast these certain spells in this order to match okay. the poem. Cool. So that sort of, you use the spells in a different way rather than just uh, killing somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, actually, a really good example. I don't like the way it was, it was actually implemented, uh, but the Triwizard Tournament from Harry Potter was a, was a great example of obstacles solved by magic but you can use different magic to do the different things. Uh, that actually is fantastic. I love that idea. As a side note, what I didn't like about it, it was it was supposed to be a spectator sport, but nobody could see what was going on. Yeah, because they were always in different locations. That was yeah. that was dumb. But the idea, but the um, the idea, of the obstacles that the uh, the students uh, overcame through magic, but they did, through different types of magic. That was great. That was great. So, um, I, I, like, I like, like you were saying, uh, when back uh, your other games of D and D, where you gave out the spells and they had to think, sort of outside the box, how can I use this spell for this situation? Whereas just somebody looking at it say, oh, you can't use a spell to do this, but you have to kind of think and right, think more clever. You need you need you need two things. You need an imaginative player, and, an and you need a flexible dungeon master who's yeah. allow who will allow you to not break the rules, but maybe bend them and use a new rule in a different way. Um, and that that's one of the um, you know I don't know so much about fifth edition, but I know in fourth edition and third edition, one of the things that this that uh, that uh, bothered me was that uh, there were so many combat spells and uh, not enough utility spells. A and I'm a big fan of the utility spells, like, the, you know, you know mud to earth and, the, you know, and things like that. Things that don't have an immediate, you know, you'd think, oh, that's dumb. What's that going to do? Well, you know, you're fighting a golem, right? None of your combat spells work because he's, he's resistant to the magic. So you think, oh, the magic user can't do anything. The magic user can do lots of things. He just can't affect the golem directly, right? You cast a spell and, and, and create a hole underneath him and he falls in, you know, or, you know, you're, you just have to be clever with the spells. So I like spells that are open-ended that allow you to, to, mm to use them in different ways. And that's that's a very also a very hard choice. Which spells do you pick? Because even at the really high levels, you only get six spells a level. Or you yeah. can only know six different spells in a level. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that was always that was always a, a, a wonderfully hard decision for the uh, the magic user memorizing his spells at the start. And in first edition D D first level had 30 spells but you could only ever know like four until you're like six level or something well yeah that's that's part of the that's, trick yeah. well that's why you hope you find spell scrolls yeah the, the yeah. one shot thing but yeah that's well, why you know scrolls are great and in early dnd definitely they were really bloody important yes that's why whenever you uh, dm you were looking at a module a lot of your NPCs, clerics, druids, any type of magic user, that would say the spells they had, but they always had one or two scrolls on them. Right. It was few yeah. and far between. You'd actually see an NPC magic user, a divine spellcaster, with no spell scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Um, and so, <laughs> actually, I'm not, there were rules in third edition 
to make, you could actually make scrolls. Like before the adventure, you'd say, okay, I'm going to spend this. And Well, in third edition, you had to spend experience points and gold to do it. I don't know what the, the rules were in first and second edition to make spell scrolls. I think there were some ways of making scrolls in second edition. I, I would be surprised if there weren't. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were expensive to make, but you can make them. You can yeah, so a, a lot of wizards would say, okay, I'm making these scrolls and then taking them with me on, on the adventure, just in yeah. case. No, that, that, yeah. that's, that's clever. That's good. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, uh, it's, it's, we're, we're talk to, back to talking about D&D specific things. Um, the read magic spell. <laughs> I just could never get my head around that. I, 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 it just seemed impossible, impossibly cruel to make the magic user take and memorize a spell so that he could read other spells, especially at first level, right? So the way it's actually written is that you can't just pick up a spell and read it. You have to cast read magic to read the spell. So if I'm a first level magic user and I want to use scrolls, then my one spell has to be read magic. So now I can't do any magic unless I happen to find the scroll. And then I can only use one scroll because I've cast my spell to cast the spell. Um, I, I just, I can never bring myself to to make anybody do that. And I've always called read magic a class skill. Mm. You're a wizard. You can read magic. If just you couldn't, like, you wouldn't be a wizard. Exactly. Just like, you know, a, a thief has all those power, all those abilities. And, you know, um, even though he has to roll for them, sure. But a, a fighter gets to automatically sharpen his sword uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't have to spend any you know precious spell slots or anything saying oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take sharpen sword as a skill <laughs> so please just let you actually i don't even know if it's a thing in in fifth edition anymore but if, no, if you they, they old, took that out if you play old D &D, really, just yeah. let your wizards read magic <laughs> another thing in fifth edition and also in pathfinder i think they really played up cantrips. Uh, in second edition, I think was the first time they had cantrips. But cantrips were like other spells. You only you had spell slots. You can only cast once. Um, but in fifth edition and in Pathfinder, cantrips you can cast as many times as you want to. Also, and they get also cantrips. Cantrips can get better the higher level the higher level you are. Like if you're a fifth level caster and you cast the the cantrip it does it's better than if you're just first level casting the cantrip <laughs> the biggest difference i saw of course was that cantrips in second edition were party tricks yeah the, i mean the the idea of getting better at them was is kind of laughable because there were light candle oh i'm better at it now i can light five candles like in uh Hackmaster really went overboard with their description. The wet willy. The wet willy cantrip, yeah. <laughs> but, it, see... Uh, but they I, never did damage. Oh, yeah, see... Or maybe one die three, right? No, they never... Ne cantrips yeah. never did... Uh, that was part of the definition. Uh, the mm -hmm. cantrip can never do any damage. Um, and, and so, like, Eldritch Blast or whatever just breaks my brain. <laughs> what? You, you can cast a cantrip and it does damage and you can just cast it for free all day? Uh, all right. I mean, it seems like at that point you're just done with fancy and magic. You can just throw it away. <laughs> you're playing a different <laughs> game now. That is our rambling talk about magic. <laughs> yes. If you have any, have any comments, put them below. Start your magic duel down below in the comments. Like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.